guys. Well, hey, here we are in week two of a series called Pillow Talk. We're going through uh, the book called Song of Songs. And last week, if you remember, uh, we were introduced to uh, our two lovers, uh, King Solomon, and uh, he was out and he was surveying his kingdom. And this man of great wealth and wisdom was going along and uh, he noticed a uh, poor Jewish gal working in the fields. And her skin had been darkened by the sun and she was uh, uh, working hard under the toil of her, her brother's labor. Uh, the brothers were angry with her and had sent her out and uh, were making her work for them. And they came together and uh, they had this connection. And uh, what we got to do at the beginning of the story is actually uh, get a glimpse of their marriage. And often in Hebrew poetry, uh, they don't write literally. Uh, and uh, so today, we're actually going to take a step back and, and we're going to hear about the memories of their courtship. And hopefully as we look at that, we'll be able to look at our lives and really try to discover God's plan for, for sex and, and marriage and, and dating so we can really look at what God is trying to uh, uh, envision for us. And my, my hope is really throughout this series, especially for those of you who are uh, not married, is that this idea of, of marriage won't be a thing of, of pressure and this idea of sex won't be a pressure uh, but it will be something that, that you can really see as God-ordained, and it's one of the most beautiful things and the most awesome things that we can experience in life. That it's one of these things that when it's done right, when it's done under God's design, is worth waiting for. Now, last week I threw out a challenge uh, to show your loved ones, um, especially those of you who are married, uh, to show them that you love them, that they're special to you, that they're beautiful or they're handsome without spending any money. And I asked you to email me those stories, and the best one each week was going to win a $50 uh, gift card to Bonefish. And I got to tell you, I got some great stories uh, uh, this week. Some of them uh, were interesting and uh, made me blush a little bit, but they were they were very very cool. And uh, even one said, "I feel really awkward emailing my pastor this," but and I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be a good one." <laughs> and we went into it, but I I picked uh, uh, there were so many good ones. I picked the three ones that I I thought were really just awesome and. Uh, the first one, and I wanted to share them with you. Now, usually the emails are kind of long, so I'm just going to sum them up, and also I'm going to try to keep the people anonymous. Uh, so the the first one, which was not the winner uh, this week, was she said that her husband is a miserable person in the morning, which I thought was a good start, and uh, uh, and basically through the whole 11 years that they've uh, been together, uh, just he works at nights and mornings are really awful and, and Saturdays are basically their only day together and she really wants to uh, spend the day with him. So what she did was uh, Saturday, she 
decided to uh, cook him breakfast in bed to kind of gently nudge him to get going, but also just to really show him that she appreciates him and loves him. And I thought that was really cool. And she also, she went into the whole menu, but she wanted me to know, and I guess you guys to know, that it wasn't just coffee and toast, but it was a pretty good spread. So he did pretty well, and she did pretty well. Uh, this other one, uh, I'll just read this one. It's short. It says, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing to my hubby is recreational companionship. Now, I had no idea what that was, so I'm glad that she, like, uh, explained it to, to me. She goes, so, with lots of O's, uh, my sister, who has FSU baseball tickets, is not going to the game Friday night and is secretly giving me her tickets. I kidnapped my husband for the evening, and uh, I was so excited to surprise him with this. I'm just going to tell him to take uh, a change of clothes to work and meet me at the designated place on Friday night for dinner, at which time I will show him the tickets to the game. And I thought, that was really, really cool. And But the winner this week, and this one actually uh, kind of brought a tear to my eye because it was just like so cool. Uh, uh, basically, this couple, they're traveling to uh, Dominica and uh, they're going to be doing a three-hour hike trip uh, when they're there. So every evening they've been going on walks, uh, but they've missed a lot of uh, hiking this past weekend. I'm going to pick up reading here. So, so last night he suggested we go for an extra long walk. I work for a CPA firm, and with it being April 14th, I didn't get out of work until 6.30. So Mr. Clever says to me, since we're walking later than we wanted to, let's cut our walk a little shorter and turn around at Miccosukee Road rather than Centerville Road, and we'll still get some exercise. Knowing I would accept his compromise, off we went. We were walking, we were talking, and I happened to bring up how great the sermon was Sunday. I added the great part, but uh, uh, I said, you know, I am so glad we are aware of each other's needs. I continued with, we tell each other when we look good, he agreed. We support each other uh, trying to lose weight, he agreed. We even do nice things for one another, he agreed again, knowing what was coming. Then, just five minutes after that, we came to some writing in colorful chalk right there on the pavement that said, We cried, the pastor cried. <laughs> he is a very special man in my life, and I feel so blessed that the good Lord brought us together. And that was our winner uh, for this week's Show Your Loved One That They're Handsome, Beautiful, and or Special uh, contest. So I'm really looking forward to getting more uh, emails this week. Uh, don't feel like you have to give me every detail. I can, I got a good imagination. I can fill in a lot of it. So uh, let's pray, and then we're just going to go to uh, the Word. Dear God, just, uh, just open up our hearts and minds as we uh, look at love and sex and relationships, and uh, that we can just desire what you want for us, that, that you will make us desire it so much that everything else, uh, its luster will, will uh, just lose its uh, appeal. 
We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you open up your Bibles to Song of Songs or um, Song of Solomon, depending on your version, uh, and open up to chapter 2, verse 8, here we have an opening of the young woman. And she is at home, and this is what she says, I hear him, my lover. He comes leaping on the mountains and bounding over hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young deer. Look, there he is behind the wall. Now he is looking through the window, gazing into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my beloved, my fair one, and come away. For the winter is past and the rain is over and gone. The flowers are springing up and the time of singing birds have come. Even the cooing of turtle doves. The fig trees are budding and the grapevines are in blossom. How delicious they smell. Yes, spring is here. Arise, my beloved, my fair one, and come away. And then that was her recollection. And then the the young man, Solomon's voice, comes and he says, My dove is hiding behind some rocks, behind an outcrop of the cliff. Let me see you. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant and you are lovely. And we just have this, this beautiful imagery and these beautiful words, and we have this obvious separation and restraint that's being shown in this, in this courtship, but this obvious passion to desire to communicate one's feelings for each other. And in Solomon's words, he's, he's talking about how the winner has passed and this is imagery of, of how, his, how his life was, was barren and cold and distanced before he met her. But now that the spring is here, that, that life has appeared. And talking about how she is, is far from him and they have this great desire to come together. And I think it's so interesting as we, as we look at this as we, we really get a, a window, we get a side road seat to, to some people who are building and their relationships are building. They have this desire that they're being very open for all of us to experience. And I think so often that we see language like this early on in relationships, but something happens along the way. And we see divorce in broken relationships and hurt and pain. And how do you go from, you know, guys noticing turtle doves cooing to, you know, yeah, I'll get to you after, you know, the doubleheader or, or, or whatever. Where, where, what process, what happens, what goes in and infiltrates our relationships What torpedoes are relationships? What are those things? And I find it so interesting that right after we have this beautiful flowery language where it looks like these guys are so in love, what could go wrong? We have the voice of the young women of Jerusalem interject. And they say, quick, catch all the little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of your love. For the grapevines are all in blossom. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that sentence, I, it just didn't seem to fit. 
You have all this beautiful language, and then you have these like naysayer women of Jerusalem saying, catch all the little foxes. And I was like, well, what, what does that mean anyway? I mean, I'm from California, I'm from Los Angeles, and I don't know a whole lot about little foxes, and I don't know a lot about vineyards or, or anything like that. So I, I kind of went on a pilgrimage. I really wanted to figure out what they were talking about, and I started going through all my commentaries and trying to figure out, you know, what was going on here, and, and that didn't help very much. So I went to Books a Million, and I'm walking around, and, and it, finally I found a, a commentary called fairy tales and fables that uh, really actually illuminated what it God is trying to communicate to us here and it's in a it's in a story called the gingerbread boy and it teaches us all we need to know about these little foxes and how they invade and how they invade and how how they get into our relationships and destroy them now, it's kind of a long story, so I'm just, I'm going to paraphrase up until we get to the little fox. But if you don't know the story of the little bread or gingerbread boy, basically, there was this crazy old woman who never had any kids. And she had this idea, this crazy idea that she's like, well, I've never had any kids of my own, so I'm going to bake one. I'm going to bake a gingerbread boy, and I'm going to make him a chocolate jacket and cinnamon buttons. So it seemed like a good idea to her, and I guess everything was going to plan until, you know, a little buzzer buzzes or the dinger dings, and she opens up the oven, and out popped the little gingerbread boy. And he starts running out the door, and she says, hey, come back, you're my gingerbread boy, I, I baked you. And he's like, I can run faster, and you cannot catch me. So he goes running out, and he's going along, and then there was an old man, and and the old man said, oh, little gingerbread boy, you look tasty. <laughs> and he says, look, I outran the old woman, and I can outrun you. And he did, and he outran, and he kept on going, and then he came to this dairy cow. I don't know if you can see the picture, but this dairy cow here. And the dairy cow said, hey, little gingerbread boy, you look good. I'm going to catch you, and I'm going to eat you. And he said, look. I outran the old crazy lady, I outran the grumpy old man, and I, dairy cow, can outrun you. So he goes and he outruns the dairy cow. And then he comes to this horse, and the same thing, the horse goes, oh, you look tasty, I'm going to eat you. He goes, I, I outran the lady, the man, the cow, and I can outrun you, and he doesn't. And then he comes to this ferocious bear here, and... The bear wants to eat him, and the same again, I outran the woman, I outran the man, I outran the cow, I outran the horse, I outran the bear, and I can out, or I can outrun you. And then finally, he comes to the little fox. And this is where Scripture will be illuminated. By this time, the little gingerbread boy was sure that no one could catch him. He saw a fox coming across a field. The fox shouted at him and began to run. But the little gingerbread boy shouted across to him, You can't catch me. The fox began to run faster, and the little gingerbread boy ran faster. As he ran, he said, I have run away from the little old woman, the little old man, a cow, a horse, and a bear, and I can surely run away from you too. I can. Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. 
I am the gingerbread man. Somewhere along the line, he became a man. I'm not sure. <laughs> Why, said the fox, I would not catch you if I could. I would not even think of it. Just then, the little gingerbread boy came to a river, but he could not swim. Jump on my tail, and I will take you across, said the fox. So the gingerbread boy jumped on the fox's tail, and the fox swam into the river. A little distance from the shore, he said, Little gingerbread boy, I think you had better get on my back, or you may fall off. So the little gingerbread boy jumped on his back. After swimming a little farther, farther, the fox said, You will get wet there. You had better jump on my shoulder. So the gingerbread boy jumped on his shoulder. When they were near the other side of the river, the fox said, My back is tired. You had better jump on my nose. So the little gingerbread boy jumped on his nose. As soon as the fox reached the shore, he threw back his head into the mouth, fell the little gingerbread boy, and the fox gobbled him up. And that was the end of the gingerbread boy. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let me bring you in on it. You see, these little foxes are things that we think we can handle in life. That we've outrun everything else. We've ran, outran the crazy old lady, the grumpy old man. We even steered clear and ran away from the ferocious dairy cow, the horse, the bear. We think we are invincible. We think we can tackle anything that life throws at us until we meet the little fox. And the little fox has a different strategy. You see, the little fox doesn't just bolt after us and come to us head on and try to destroy us. He tricks us into a false sense of security. And as I was reading this week and just learning about what torpedoes relationships, what are these little foxes that, that tear relationships up? The big three are time, money, and sex. These are the little foxes that destroys our marriages and destroys our relationships. You know, time kind of goes like this. I mean, usually it's not bad things. It's little things. It's, it's hey, I'm going to get on this networking site and just meet some people who have common interests, or, or I'm, I'm going to go and watch a game, or I'm going to stay late at work. And that in itself is not a bad thing. I mean, it's things that we enjoy. We love going to games. We love going on the internet. You know, some of us love going to work. Uh, you know, all of these things. And, and that's where we take the step onto the little fox's tail. And we go along and we think everything is, is, doing, is going okay. And we, we think, okay, my relationship is solid. I can spend a little more time away from that relationship because it's doing okay. And I can spend more time doing this thing that kind of fulfills me. That it, it's all for me and it's my thing. And 
at that point, the little fox looks back and says, hey, you're going to get wet on my tail. Come up on my back. And we get onto the back and we go along for a while and everything's okay. And you know what? Our relationships aren't falling apart and it's all, all right, you know. And then at that point, again, the fox will say, hey, get onto my shoulder and then get onto my nose. And we're lulled into this false sense of security until one day the little fox is in total control. And at its whim can just tilt back its head. And our relationship is no longer. We have to beware of these little foxes. A little fox of, of money in relationships is the number one cause of divorce, not affairs, not anything. Marriages are usually pretty bulletproof on the big stuff. It's these little things. And a lot of times it's just because the, the couple can't get together on a common goal. How are we going to do the finances of our family? I mean, from, not from a financial standpoint, but from from a relationship standpoint, being on the same page is a must. It really doesn't matter what your strategy is. As long as you all know you're going to eat dog food together or you're going to live in the Taj Mahal, as long as you don't get to a point and say, you know what, I wanted to save and you wanted to spend. Now, I'm not talking about being wise with finances or anything like that. I'm just saying it is important not important, it's paramount that relationships, marriages are together on this thing where the little fox will come in and destroy. And then finally, sex. Not enough, too much, or with the wrong person, basically. That, that, that can destroy relationships. And uh, if you look at verse 16 and 17, uh, we see that we have this separation in the first part, this obvious restraint, and then there's some, some thinking and some, some wishing and, and, a, and a time of, you know what, I want to be with him. In verse 16 it says, My lover is mine and I am his. He feeds among the lilies. Before the dawn comes and the shadows flee away, come back to me, my love. Run like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. Now just so you know, she's talking about her body here. She's talking about, about her, the body that God had entrusted to her. And, and at this point, she is yearning to be with Solomon, but he is not there. Now, as I was looking at divorce statistics and things like that and, and what torpedoes relationships, one thing that was really interesting that, that came up again and again and again was that a relationship is more likely to end in divorce when people have sex or cohabitate before marriage. And I it goes against conventional logic. In fact, I saw lots of blogs and, and discussion boards where this term or this phrase kept on coming up. And on the surface, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. I'm sure you've heard it about having sex before marriage. 
you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it first, would you? You ever hear that? I mean, it's the most asinine statement that you could probably ever hear in your life. I mean, if you really look at it and think about it, go, wait a second. Like, just the imagery of like, hey, I'm thinking about buying you or leasing you or maybe renting you, but uh, I need a test drive. I mean, it just, I mean, just, I mean, the whole, the whole train of thought just doesn't go anywhere. It just, if you go there, but then the other thing is people keep their cars for only three or four years. So, I mean, do you really want to be uh, test driven and then, you know, trade it in for a newer model? I mean, it just, it doesn't play out. And you don't have to go out, you don't have to stay in the Bible to see that this logic is flawed. I mean, there's statistical proof that, that when we engage in test driving, that, that, you know what? We are opening up our hearts and our souls to so much more pain and anguish than what God has designed for us. You know, when I was looking at the reasons for divorce and keeping with the the car thing here, the, the, there was really the, the statistic for divorce because of broken or incompatible of equipment is nearly non-existent. There's, there's not a problem, per se, with the functionality of sex. And when you, when you take sex and you isolate it as merely a physical act, we miss out on the full beauty and splendor of what God intended sex to be. You see, sex is so much more than just merely a, a physical act. It's an emotional and spiritual bond with another human being. Something that God designed to be sacred and only be able to share between two people. And I, and I know so many of us have, have failed in this area. I failed in this area, and I've been very open about this. But when you boil sex down to just a merely a physical act, it becomes something ugly and a lot of times painful. But when you really find that person where there's an emotional and spiritual bond, the course of the, the, the act, the physical act of making love brings on a whole new dimension. And you really experience what God has envisioned for your life. And as your pastor who's messed up a lot in his life, this is one thing, and I've told you guys, if, if I could change anything in my life, I wouldn't change anything except sleeping around. And the reason is because I know how great sex is when it goes beyond the physical act and it's a truly, a true commitment between two people who have an everlasting, eternal commitment emotionally and spiritually. And everything else is just a cheap imitation the greatest thing and it's worth waiting for God's vision for it instead of ours. In chapter 3 
she goes from her longing and we see the obvious restraint in, and uh, the, the desire to be with, uh, with one another to a dream sequence. And she says, One night as I lay in bed, I yearned deeply for my lover, but he did not come. So I said to myself, I will get up now and roam the city, searching for him in all the streets and squares. But my search was in vain. The watchmen stopped me as they made their rounds, and I said to them, Have you seen him anywhere, this one I love so much? A little while later, I found him and held him. I didn't let him go until I had brought him into my childhood home, into my mother's bedroom where I had been conceived. That's a little creepy and weird. You know, it's like you're somebody's showing you their house. And yeah, you know, this room, this is where I was conceived. Well, that's nice. You know, I mean, you know what? What's trying to, you know, what do you say to that? You know, that, what's trying to be communicated? And we, I think that we get a real glimpse into her heart here. That she's really opening up to her lover. You see, remember where we met her? We met her in the blazing sun working in the field. Why was she in the blazing sun unprotected working in the field? Because her brothers were angry at her. Well, how come her brothers and not her mother and father were making these decisions? Well, we don't know, but probably they had passed away and now the girl was under the, under the control or, or um, protection, have you, of the brothers. And the last time she ever felt loved and the last time she ever felt safe and protected was that memory of being in her mother's room. She was protected by her mother and father. And what she's doing here is opening herself up emotionally to Solomon and saying, I want you to be in this place with me. This place that I had held on to and, and have kept protected for all of these years, I, I trust you. And I want to invite you into this vulnerable area of my life. And I want you to share this sacred place with me. And I think it all goes back to really learning the love language of our, of our, our spouses or the uh, people that we're in significant relationships with. What makes them feel beautiful? What makes them feel handsome? What makes them feel special? Is it cards? Is it gifts? What is it? This week, Shannon did something really awesome for me. Uh, uh, she, she painted a, a, a card for me. And uh, on the cover where she painted... Uh, she painted a scene uh, on our run. We run together, and uh, there's this one particular place on our run that we always comment on how beautiful it is, and she painted that scene on, on the card, and I looked at that, and it was like awesome, and I opened up, and then, you know, she, she wrote a whole list of things. She heard me talking about my legs last night, and, and uh, she wrote a whole list of things uh, that she 
that she loves about me and, uh, and likes about me. Uh, I'm not going to share those with you, but, but uh, I, I, it, it was just awesome. And, and those kind of things mean a lot to me. When somebody takes time to, uh, who has talent to give me something they made, and, uh, and well, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, using their gifts in, in, in a way. Uh, you know, for, for Shannon, it, it is protection and, and, and giving her my time. And it's incumbent upon us, it's our responsibility, it's our duty to know our loved ones and to learn their language. And that's why this, this contest is so much bigger than just a contest that we're doing. It, I mean, it's a fun little game that we're having, but it's important that we talk about these things and encourage one another to not just know that we love each other, but to show one another in tangible acts that don't cost any money. They don't need to cost any money. They can, but they don't have to, and that's why we're doing it that way. To let them know that, not only know, but show them that we truly love them. Finally, she ends this portion of the poem with the same way that she uh, ended the last portion. Again, she says, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the swift gazelles and the deer of the wild, not to awaken love until the time is right. Because it's so hard to go back. But if you have stumbled, you have fallen, we all have in different areas in our life. The great thing about God is God is a God of second chances. And it's not that we beat ourselves up about these things, but we say, you know what, God? I messed up here, but I truly want what you have designed for me. I truly want what you have envisioned for me for my life. I want to experience those blessings and move on. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this book. I thank you for this intimate look of two people in love, being able to watch their love grow. God, I pray that we are challenged. God, I pray that we will watch out for the little foxes in our, in our relationships. We'll want what you want more than our own desires. And that we are able to have meaningful connection and be able to speak one another's love language. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.